everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. As per my usual, I want to announce a couple books that are being released um, this week. The first one is by award-winning author Catherine Jane, who wrote a book called Cats a collection of heartwarming furry tales. Um, Catherine is a kitty rescuer, which is kind of interesting, and I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. Um, Taylor Stevens' Liar's Paradox releases next week, but there's a reason she's on. She, I'm mentioning her today, too. Bradley Charbonneau's new book, Spark, How to Write a Book with Your Kids and Why You Should, also is new. Down the Broken Road by J.R. Backlund, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Uh, Gavin Reese's The Absolver Rome is also an excellent, excellent book. Um, Nancy Gerber has released A Way Out of Nowhere. So please take a moment to go on, on my page on Facebook and see who it is that we're talking about. One of the coolest things um, about doing this show and about going to so many conferences is I get to meet the coolest people. I have a guest host today whose name is Allison Brennan. I know that you know her because she's done this show before as a host. She's also, I have, I met her six years ago and she's just one of the coolest people. She is an international best-selling author. She's gotten more book awards than most people I know. Uh, she writes two different series, Lucy Kincaid and Sean Rogan and the Marie Revere Cold Case Mysteries. She also was generously contributed a novella to the Betrayed Anthology, which raised money for domestic violence victims. It is my pleasure to welcome Allison Brennan, who's going to tell you about her guest. Hi, Allison. Welcome back. Hey, Pam. It's always good to be here with you. You know, I, I, I could talk you to here. you for hours. <laughs> I know, and sometimes we do. So I thought it was really interesting that that, um, my friend Catherine Jane released a book on cats. She is also a kitty rescuer and um, feeds a feral community where she lives in Canada. So that's why I thought that was really interesting since we were just talking about, you know, when we retire, we're going to have a kitty farm. So you and I, we're going to have the crazy cat ladies together. We are, we are, and don't call my cats crazy, right? I'm turning the microphone over to you. Have fun. It's all yours. Thank you, and boy, Pam must really trust me to give me the microphone. (laughs) I'm sure she'll edit out anything really bad that I say. Um, I'm thrilled to be talking today with Taylor Stevens. Um, So years ago, I read this book called The Informationist. And it was getting all this hype, and I'm like going, okay, everybody's reading this book, and everybody's saying how good it is, and, you know, there's a little bit of jealousy going on because I had a pretty good cover, and she was published by my publisher, and I was like going, okay, what is the hype? And then I read it, and I'm like going, damn, that is a great book. I love that book. And there was one of those, like, jealousy moments that was like, at least I got to read a great book. So uh, fast forward, that was her first series, the Vanessa Monroe series, and I ran into Taylor at Thriller Fest, um, I think it was like a year and a half ago, at the cocktail party, and she was telling me she was writing a new book, and I said, well, send it to me. Uh, you know, when, whenever you get it done, I want to read it. So I got a copy early, and I was so glad that I did, and I was thrilled. I mean, I love Vanessa, but there's something about these new characters, that she's calling them the Jack and Jill thrillers that are so compelling 
because of the character. I mean, just like Vanessa was a great character, now we have two great characters to latch on to. So I read the book, and I gave her a quote, and I wrote an article that will be coming out in The Big Thrill, which is the um, publication from International Thriller Writers. So you can go subscribe for free at the ITW website um, to read that article next month. So anyway, Taylor is here with us, and say hi, Taylor. Hi. <laughs> I talk very fast, so because <laughs> we only have 20 minutes, so i got to get a lot said. Um, I love this book. I honestly, honestly did. I only give blurbs to books that I really, really enjoy. Usually, if I don't, I don't have a lot, a lot of time to read. So, but if you see my name on the book, that means I really did love the book. Um, so, tell us a little bit about the story. Just you know, everybody can read the back cover. It's basically about twins who were raised by their kind of crazy uh, mother, former CIA agent, to be killers. So why don't you tell us how you came up with the idea and um, what we can expect in Liar's Paradox? Well, you know how it is as an author, everybody else can in life can summarize what it is they were trying to say, and we write a whole book and we have a hard time just saying it in a sentence or two what it's actually about. That's <laughs> Liar's Paradox. Um, so the easiest way that I have found to be able to say what it's like, not necessarily what it's about, is that when it came time to sort of figure, I knew I was going to be starting a new series. I knew, you know, starting from scratch, didn't have really any sense of what I wanted to write about or any characters. I started thinking about how in mainstream fiction, literary fiction, there's a lot of exploration of family dynamics. You know, we, you know, someone who's been estranged from their family comes back and, you know, at the funeral they're, you know, come to terms with the mother that they were estranged from all these years, whatever. And then there's a lot of dysfunction. I thought, what would happen if you took, like, the worst of family dysfunction that we never see in thrillers, because there's no room to put that in a thriller, and you layered it over a family of assassins where everybody was capable of killing each other and quite often wanted to and that was sort of the start that kicked off the series well it's it's a great premise and it it completely worked and you're absolutely right when we're reading a thriller we don't expect to find anything related to honestly a lot of character development i think some thriller writers will leave out some of the character development or just show it in little snippets because they don't want to sacrifice the suspense. They don't want to sacrifice the thrills. I don't think you need to, and you prove that you definitely don't need to sacrifice character to get the thrills because your book, I literally could not put it down. And um, I mean, I, and I say that in a very, very good way, and I know it sounds so trite because everybody says, oh, I can't put this book down. It's like, yeah, right. But, but really, every author wants to, to hear out. that. <laughs> you had to find out what happened. You had to know who was going to betray who and what was going to happen and what the big overarching story was otherwise you know you can't sleep because your mind is constantly going well what if this happens or what if that happens so you totally um now one of, one of the things as, as writers especially thriller writers and i know i'd asked you this in um uh, the interview that we did for the magazine is about research because i think one of the questions i get and probably you get too when you go out and speak to readers who are not writers is where do you come up with your ideas and, I mean, I hate that question. So, because I, I don't know, they kind of just come. 
with research, you get to at least put some um, meat behind your idea. So how did you go about researching this? Because there was so much meat um, in the story about the CIA, about, you know, international politics. Um, what did you do? Well, um, it's kind of like ideas where a lot of it's just there. Uh, for me, like, I read a lot. I I. I'm, con- I'm an information sponge. Like, I read a lot of news, just follow daisy trails of information because I enjoy learning things. And so there's always this sort of basis, I guess, this knowledge base of stuff that's just there floating around that you kind of grab at. But it's not enough to fill a book. And so you have a starting point from there, at least I do. And so if I know, oh, okay, I'm going to be having a character here that has a CIA background. Well, I don't have a CIA background and I'm not an expert in the CIA, but that's my starting point. And so then it's a matter of, you know, I read a lot and, and follow those daisy trails and I'll find interesting things. And like, I haven't ever heard that somebody speak about that. I bet that would be interesting for people to know about. And then I veer off in that direction and learn more and, uh, I follow blogs. I follow, you know, if I can find a real-life CIA person who, you know, was stationed overseas and, you know, writes about their experience or, you know, does has video presentation, I will go and, you know, hear, listen to them, find out what they know. And always, it doesn't matter if I'm writing about, you know, uh, an organization or a country, I'm always looking for things that maybe aren't as commonly well-known, that avoid the cliches and the stereotypes and the, the things that everybody already knows so that it's, it's entertaining to learn new things. So you're in, you can be entertained by the story, but also entertained by little tiny things that you just didn't know of before. So that's, it just sort of all comes together in that sense. And it's never like, oh, I need to be an expert in this. It's, can I learn just enough that I can write about it intelligently without making the experts laugh? <laughs> yeah, well, and I think one of the things is for writers in general is that we want to do the research, but we don't want it to show on the page. We want readers to be, be able to immerse themselves in the story that they buy every single thing that we're saying. Sometimes, you know, research can, when I say it shows on the page, it's like you're giving the reader a lesson and say how to collect, um, you know, blood specimens at a crime scene or something. And they don't need the lesson. They just need to know your characters are competent enough that they're going to do it the right way. I agree with you 100%. And so, you know, when I was reading about Jack and Jill, and those are their not their real names, but those are the names they pretty much go by, um, <clears throat> they, uh, they really made me believe that they were raised by this paranoid ex-CIA agent mother. Um, there's a scene early on in the book uh, that I almost, I almost read it to my daughter, who um, until she went through the fire academy, she was paranoid of being in closed dark spaces, um, where uh, Jack has this, like, this escape. And I'm not giving anything away because it's in the very, very beginning of the book, and I know that that sample's already out on Amazon to be read, so you could read the sample, is that he has um, this hidden coffin underground that when they're running away from the bad guys, um, that they don't know what happened to their mom, if she's dead, alive, or if this is just a plan of hers to, um, you know, test them again. And they're locked into this coffin underground. And it was so 
amazing because I could really feel like I was there. The way you just conveyed <laughs> it wasn't too long. It wasn't, you know, but it just gave that fear that you made me believe, okay, they have done this before. It was just so, so, so well done. Thank you. I'm smiling ear to ear. <laughs> well, now, so do you have any fears that you put? I'm just curious now that I have to say about my daughter's fear of closed places. What about your own fears? I'm very claustrophobic, uh, incredibly so. And in, I've always known it's, it's more like a fear of suffocation, I think, because I cannot watch, I absolutely refuse to watch any movies that take place under the water or out in space because of that. <laughs> Uh, lack of oxygen, I guess, fear. I don't know where it comes from. I was never shut up in a tight space as a child that I'm aware of. But uh, it, it's funny because sometimes it comes out in, in places that I just didn't even know I was, was related. Uh, uh, several years back, I went to Europe uh, for research on a, a, one of the books that I was writing at that time, and I, I needed to drive a route that took me through uh, Milan and then over the Alps into Switzerland. And I didn't know ahead of time that we would be going through so many long tunnels. And one of these tunnels is through the Alps itself. And I forget how long it is, but I don't know, 17 kilometers or something like that. And I didn't know until we were in the tunnel. And that, and like, it was, Previously, there was a, formerly there was a big explosion in the earlier version of that tunnel. So now when you go into it, you have to stay a certain space back from the cars in front of you. All the radio stations play the same message over and over, rotating through different uh, languages about emergency escapes and how the tunnel works and everything. And that just goes on and on because you can't go past a certain speed. And I learned that I'm also claustrophobic for tunnels. Oh, my gosh. That would probably freak me out, and I don't really think I'm claustrophobic. (laughs) Did that end up in one of your books? Nope, never, but that doesn't mean it won't one day because, you know, like you were saying about research, research is everything. Everything you've ever experienced, everything you've ever read, Everything you've watched other people experience is all there in that vast sort of mental that experience that in one day you're just riding along and then you're like, oh, I have this and this would be a really good thing for that. And it turns into research. Well, that, that is actually a very, very good point because you have led a far more interesting life, both good and bad than I ever have. I I have led the most boring life. Everything I know, I live vicariously through my characters. (laughs) But um, being able to pull those snippets, for me, it's more pulling from, you know, I used to work in the California legislature, so I've met a lot of people from a lot of different um, backgrounds and philosophies. And so I try to pull from all those different kind of people, like these little traits um, for my books, because that's really all I know. (laughs) But it it works, and it brings your characters to life, and it makes them very real. And it's interesting that you say that, because I can see how having that kind of background would influence so much the characters. Not That's a mistake that a lot of people think, is that you, you know somebody, and then that person shows up in your books. It's not like that. It's that you, you know 100 people, and maybe in a amalgam of 100 different traits show up in one single person in the book. But well, exactly. 
Exactly. But your background would lead to the types of stories that you write, and my background would lead to a completely different type of story. And in that sense, um, you know, I'm what you would consider a third culture kid. I was not raised in the United States from my younger years. I, um, I don't really – it's not my primary dominant culture, even though this is where I was born and, you know, it's where my passport is from. And so I – for me – Characters that are rootless, characters that have traveled a lot, who have a deeper understanding of culture than maybe somebody who's only lived in, you know, one state their whole life. Those are the types of characters that will end up populating my stories because they're the ones that I know. No, that's, that's a very good point. And you do it well because Jack, both Jack and Jill have that kind of um, chameleon ability to blend in and out and to actually fit in almost anywhere. And as I almost was thinking by the end of the book, I think, and I, obviously I don't know, I don't have the second book yet, but Jill has this, she's so feisty and she's so strong and so smart. And I, you know, I really loved her. Um, but I think she really yearns for that stability that she never had, but she probably can't articulate it. It's just that, that kind of sense that I had that she kind of yearns for it, but Maybe she doesn't know because she's never had it. It's like longing for something you've never had. Uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting concept. Um, you know, sometimes just in life, psychology, normal people, you can long for something, but even if you get it, it's not comfortable because it's so foreign to what you know. So even when you have it, you don't do well at it because you don't know how to how to deal with it. Exactly. And so she, she, she makes a very interesting character. I'm very, very excited to see where they go next. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was uh, just a fabulous story. They grew in the in, in a very short space of time to one degree, but at the same time, the, you didn't sacrifice the plot to do the characters, which I think is so good. So we have those snippets of them, and I'm really looking forward to the next book because I want more of them. Um, I know we only have a couple of minutes, but, um, well, first I want to say go to Taylor's website. It's taylorstevensbooks.com if you want to read anything about her history, her other books, and her, her background and how she was raised. She has some great information there, so I don't want to, like, rehash all that, but it's, I read everything. <laughs> I read everything Allison, it's Pam. You, you have plenty of time left. You, you know, you've got about 15 minutes left on the clock. So, so talk as long as you want. And also, please give your website address, too. Um, I know you just had a book come out in October, and probably if I know you've got another one coming out soon. So make sure <laughs> you mention that, too, okay? <laughs> okay, well, since Pam did, yes, mine easy. It's allisonbrennan.com. And um, my next book comes out at the end of April. Um, it's a Lucy Kincaid book, uh, Nothing to Hide. So Lucy came out at the end of October. The next Lucy comes out at the end of April, and I don't have a pub date on the one I'm writing now. But we'll, someday. It'll be on my website. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because I always thought this was really interesting, uh, when we were talking about your writing process, this is another one of those questions that I always get that I never quite know how to answer because it's like my process is my process. It's not, you know, it's nothing I can change even if I wanted to. Um, but one of the things that you had said is that when you sat, first sat down to start writing, you really didn't know what you were doing or how to craft a novel. You just kind of just started writing a book. And over time you realized that maybe um, 
that you kind of do a combination of plotting and pantsing. I hate that word. It's organic writing. That's what I do, organic writing. But (laughs) you really didn't have um, a set process, and you learned to adapt. Um, What were some of your struggles in your early writing? Well, I um, like you were saying, for any of the listeners who don't know my background, uh, I was born and raised in a religious cult. So I had very limited access to books. We were not allowed to read novels from the outside. My education stopped when I was in sixth grade, and anything beyond that I've taught myself. So by the time I fell into writing fiction, I really hadn't read that many novels. I'd, um, I'd had a brief spell growing up uh, where I did attend public school, and I devoured the Nancy Drew stories and the Hardy Boys stories. And that was sort of my basis for fiction came from that. And then once I was an adult and I could read whatever I wanted and I was too broke to buy books, I didn't have any sense of, you know, genre. Or Most people, when they go to a bookstore they at least or are browsing online, they at least have some sense of what they're looking for. They kind of have an idea of what they like to read. But I didn't have that. The only thing I knew was um, I I had read some mysteries and some thrillers. I knew big names like Stephen King, but I couldn't really read his books because they were so, they they freaked me out. It was just too much. It was too intense for me. And I'd read like the Dune series. I didn't know what it was. Somebody just handed it to me on a PDF and said, here, you might like this. And I did. And I'd read the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but I didn't understand that this was, sci-fi or this was fantasy and I didn't really understand that the the exciting books that I was reading were thrillers so growing up uh being one of the few kids in that time frame who had experienced the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew I I kind of became a de facto entertainer at times but we'd spent it was so boring all we were doing cooking cleaning spending a lot of time in the back of a van going from one place to the next where we would go out on the street and ask people for money. And so I would make up stories. And when I was 14, 15 years old, I started writing them down and then they got discovered and they got confiscated and burned. And I was called a witch and I was isolated and from my peers. And it was this long arduous process of exorcisms and whatnot and instructed to never write fiction again. So that was my experience with fiction. So when you flash forward all these years later, and I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I was married at the time, two babies, um, no idea what I'm going to do with my life. And I had this moment of just being so overwhelmed. I was reading a Robert Ludlum novel, and it was a Jason Bourne story. I was so in love with this character, and I had this overwhelming moment of, I wish I could do this. I wish I could make people feel what I feel when I read these books. And then it was like, wait a minute. I've lived in places further off the map than any of these stories are talking about. And I wanted to write, and they wouldn't let me. So I'm going to write a book. Just like that. I'm going to write a book. Didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Didn't have any concept of it. And... I I didn't have characters, I didn't have anything, but I had a place because I had lived in this just really remote, at the time, country in Africa, very small, very paranoid little country, and I wanted to show people what it was like and not show them. I wanted them to feel what it was like to live there. 
but I understood fiction as exciting. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write about this country, and the story needs to be exciting. And for that to happen, I need to have exciting characters. So it just kind of evolved from there, and it, I learned to write, writing The Informationist. And it took me about three years to do it because as I wrote, I actually started to understand the process. I started to understand right, my writing got better. My storytelling got better. I had to go back and rewrite so many things because you could see the difference in the quality, the language, the storytelling structure. And because I didn't know the story, I was just making it up as I went. It took so long to figure out how all the pieces fit together. And so my first experience really just was an organic seat of the pants experience a hundred steps back from where most people start as organic story writers. Well, you basically taught yourself by writing a book. Yeah. And um, so that was, I didn't realize that was your first book, I guess. But yep, it took three it years was, to write. So I guess you wrote like 10 books in that time period of the same story. <laughs> I rewrote it a lot, yes. I mean, unless you want to count like my trial and error attempts at 14, 15, <laughs> that got burned. No, I, and I might I have. have those, I have plenty of those. I didn't burn them, but I did throw a lot of my stories away because they were so bad. <laughs> I am. Um, I used to write stories. I'm an only child, and so all my stories. And I loved Nancy Drew and Trixie Belden and Agatha Christie. So all my stories were about a teenage girl who had a twin brother, because I again I'm an only child, and multiple siblings, <laughs> because I thought the neatest thing would be you know, because I didn't have any siblings, to write a big, huge family with lots of siblings and they solve crimes together. <laughs> Interesting. I'm seeing some real-life applications here, too. Yeah, and now I have five kids. Don't know how that happens, yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things that now that you kind of... You kind of plot things out a little bit now. You kind of have a structure that you're going in and you fill in the, the meat of the stories. Yeah, I I learned that when I'm just, these stories are so complex. And the further I get into this, the stories get more complex. So the first one was, it, it seems more complex than it is just because it's in a location that most people aren't familiar with. So they don't have any sense of, oh, yeah, I see th where this is going. And so that sort of carried the simplicity of the story through. But as I go along, the stories keep getting more and more complex, with more backstory that ties into the present and competing interests. And the only way for me to keep that straight is to get it into an outline of sorts. But it's the character development and the, the details that come into a location and the mood and the feelings, all of that sort of comes organically as the story is written. Right. Well, and I think a lot of writers do that. I, I know I'm kind of unique or just weird that I don't like to plot things out. Um, I, I had to plot out this, I had to write a synopsis of a, a book that I'm going to write. It's a standalone. And I hate writing synopses because I don't want to know what happens at the end of the book. But I had to write this and it's five pages and I know what happens at the end and now I don't want to write the book. No, but you're not interested <laughs> I'm not I've heard that he because I, he's I've, kind of expecting me to have 50 pages to him because I told him I would after Christmas, but now I'm like going, but I know what happens. It's not fun if I know what happens.
and I, I have heard that from other authors too, where they would they if they know what's going to happen, they lose all interest in writing the story. Like for them, the joy is in discovering it as they go. Uh, that's what keeps them motivated to do it. So it's, I don't think you're as weird quote unquote as you think you are in that yeah but I gotta write it and so I'm I like as I'm writing I'm like thinking well can I just like change the I mean it, it's actually a pretty good ending but maybe I'll like completely change it because I'm I I like don't want to even read my synopsis anymore because I'm afraid that I will still I'm not want more to write it so I'm gonna I'm trying I'm working on it it's getting there <laughs> I want to just say to you both, listening to you as as a reader, an avid reader, um, neither one of you has put out a book that I've wanted to put down or that I've guessed what's going to happen. I mean, I I read a lot of books and I have a a, a, just an embarrassing wealth, um, you know, amount of books that I have an option to read. And um, so I sometimes will only get to the first page and say, nope don't want to read this today or no, I'm never going to read this. And then I move on. But for, I think I met you both the same year, actually, when I think about it, because I, I met Taylor the same year at Thriller Fest as I met you, Allison. Um, I actually sat at the banquet with, with Taylor, but um, I don't think either of you have written a book that I've ever not completed and gone through as fast as I could. So um, if you're worried about your endings, and someone guessing, not a chance. And <laughs> and Liar's Paradox is really special. It's really, really a special book. I read a lot of thrillers, Taylor, and I, I don't know that I've ever read anything like this. Congratulations. Thank you. More smiles. More smiles. And, and, and you know, Allison, of I'm kind of addicted to Allison's book. I have one shelf that, you know, that says Brennan on it. So, (laughs) well, you know that already, you know, I'm, I'm like on the phone to your publicist all the time or on the email to your publicist, send me more, send me more. And as you know, our book review team loves your books too, because um, you got a huge write up on our book review crew page. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah. Taylor's book. Both of you. Oh. Oh, I thought you were talking about Allison's book. <laughs> Allison well, did too. Allison got a huge response. I mean, I I have to go back and look because I keep uploading stuff every day. I don't review on that page. I just I can't do it. I I review anonymously on Amazon, but uh, <laughs> and I can't review well, that's for the way every to keep book. Friends. <laughs> well, I, I just can't review. Yeah, when when you have when you read as much as I do, I read four hundred books a year. So it's impossible for me to review each and every book, and so I I pick out the best ones, and those are the ones I review. So, yes, you you guys have reviews for me. You just don't know it. <laughs> I don't know who you are yet. I'll figure, I'll try to figure it out by the way it's worked. You'll never guess. <laughs> you know, there's no hints whatsoever. It's like to get totally anonymous name. Um. I want to just say, Taylor, congratulations. Your book releases on December 18. Um, the, story, the book is called Liar's Paradox from Kensington. Um, uh, Allison, your last book released in October, correct? Yes, October 30th. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and um, that one's called uh, Too Far Gone, and that is a Lucy Kincaid book. Um, you can go and find both of these wonderful writers on their um, websites, and which will take you every place, and you'll learn a little bit more about them when you read their about, except Allison hasn't changed hers in forever. So it's the same, <laughs> same one I've been looking at. <laughs> the only thing I will, the books I'm are new. I'm redoing my website. Are you really? I'll, well, I'll no, have to I'm go and check it out. Hosts. Oh, there you go. Mildly okay. redone. Mildly okay. redone. Um, Allison, as always, you are a brilliant interviewer. I wish you'd, you'd come back more often and pick people and come like at least every other month and interview someone. Taylor, I know you have a podcast with our mutual friend, Steve Campbell. Will you tell everyone where they can hear you, please? Yes. Um, Steve and I, we have a podcast that focuses on writing. So it's really, it's, I mean, there is stuff in there for readers also, but it, it, the emphasis is on making, well, our tagline, kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. So all the trials and travails of the writing life, uh, tips and tricks, and we answer questions. Sometimes, if time allows, I do in-depth line editing episodes that we also video and post so people can in practical terms what it means when we're talking about specific things that relate to the writing process or, you know, using stronger verbs, avoiding cliches, to actually see it in real life and the changes that, small changes that can be made to strengthen a, a story. So that is found at www.taylorstevenshow.com. Very easy. Uh, to find it's available on you know iTunes, Stitcher, uh, pretty much anywhere. The usual, that, uh, the usual places found, yeah. where podcasts mm-hmm. are found, right? And yeah. so, Allison, the offer is there. You know, anytime you want your own podcast, you'll let me know. And um, I want to thank you both so much for being here today on Authors on the Air. Um, and Taylor, anytime you want to come do a guest gig over here, I'd love to have you. You know, Thank you and Sam, I appreciate you it. and Stephen come and in, in, in work your magic if you want. <laughs> so um, we'll see what we can make happen. And I want to wish you both a happy holiday. I look forward to reading more of your books in the new year. And thank you for being with me. Um, listeners, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I'll be back later on with another new show. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.